Lord Jesus, we are thankful that we are here to worship you. We are here to know about you. We are here to adore you. We thank you that you loved us so much that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for us. And we pray, Lord, as we hear from your word, that the words that may be spoken may not be mine. The words that may be spoken may come from the Holy Spirit and may impact us to make a change in our lives so that we may worship and adore you. We offer you all praise and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Y'all may be seated. Good morning, good morning. We are so glad to see you all here. We have some faces that we haven't seen in a, in a long time. It's good to see everybody here. And it is good to be uh, back here. I feel like I have been away. I was able to celebrate my wife's and I's 20th uh, anniversary away. And we were away. And we are thankful to be back here among God's people. And you know, they say that it takes a village to raise a family, and I truly believe that. And so I thank all of you for your prayers as we were away, but I thank all of you also in helping to uh, watch over our children, and that has been a uh, blessing. Uh, Since I haven't spoken here in a little while, I was glad when I was told that I had an hour to be able to speak. So that gave me a little bit of, of time. Sorry about that, but anyway. Um, The story is told of Arnold Palmer. Some of you may know him, right? We have golfers here. Um, And those of you that do not know him, he was a famous uh, golfer, one of the most famous golfer. And he was invited to a convention of blind golfers. The golfers there told him how they knew how to hit the ball. One of the blind golfers explained that an individual with a ball would go over to the hole and stand by it and ring the bell. The blind golfer would then hit the ball towards the bell, and it seemed like it worked well. Then one blind golfer said to Arnold Palmer, it worked so well that I would like to challenge you to a game of golf. Arnold Palmer was a little surprised, but he agreed and, okay, and said, okay, let's, let's do it. And the blind golfer said, I tell you what, let's make this a little interesting. Let's do this for $10,000. Arnold Palmer, still surprised, said, wonderful. What time is tee off? And the blind golfer said, 10.30 p.m., Light is certainly important, isn't it? And the passage that we're going to read today points out so clearly how Jesus is the light of the world. And if you follow Jesus, you can overcome darkness. I actually had a slightly different uh, title to this, but when I asked my son Joshua about the passage, he told me this title, and so I thought that really was appropriate, so I borrowed it from him. If you follow Jesus, you won't have to walk in darkness. My focus today uh, from John chapter 8, verse 12 to 20, is going to be on verse 12. I will read some of the other verses. We'll cover all of those verses, but I wanted to focus on verse 12. 
One thing uh, to point out is that in any message, uh, and I think for, for me, along with, with other people, that the message is not just applicable to all of you. It is probably more applicable to me. And going through this, my prayer is that the Holy Spirit speaks to you and speaks to me and convicts us and convicts even one person in a way to come closer to Christ, because that is the purpose. So with that, let's read John chapter 8, verse 12 to 20. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees challenged him. Here you are appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, Even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid, for I know where I came from and where I am going. But you have no idea where, I'm com- where I came from or where I'm going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are true because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. Then they asked him, Where is your father? You do not know me or my father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my father also. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple courts near the place where the offerings were put. Yet no one seized him because his hour had not come yet. Whenever we read a passage, we need to understand the context, right? So if we turn to the earlier chapter in chapter 7, we see that Jesus was here in Jerusalem at the Feast of the Tabernacles. And this was one of the, the major feasts that the Jewish people celebrated. And this was towards the end of the Feast of the Tabernacles. And at that feast, the Jews performed a ceremony where they lit four huge torches in the temple, commemorating the fact during the time when the Israelites were wandering after they left Egypt. The Lord, remember, the Lord led them with a pillar of, cl- of a cloud and a pillar of fire by night to guide the Israelites during the desert. God was with the Israelites. God was guiding the Israelites by a light. In chapter 7, we read further that Jesus spoke at the temple, and he spoke at the temple with authority and with words that these people had not heard of. He said that his teaching was not his own, but came from God. And people did not know what to think. There were some people that thought that, is this the Messiah? And there were some people, including the Pharisees, who did not believe him and wanted to seize him and wanted to kill him. Last week, Pastor John Tillery spoke about the adulterous woman in the beginning of of John chapter 8, and where he mentioned that Jesus did not ignore her sin, but showed her grace. And that's when we come to this passage, John chapter 8. I'm going to read John chapter 8, verse 12 again. 
When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. There is a story of uh, the sun and the cave. And the sun and the cave happened to be uh, friends. And they were conversing and talking one day. And the sun said that he didn't understand what it meant to be in darkness. He had trouble really understanding what that meant. And the cave, she confessed that, it, that she didn't really understand what it meant to be in light as it was always dark in the cave. So they decided, let's switch places for one day. So the cave went up to the sun and was overwhelmed with the brightness of the shining light uh, that the sun gave. And for the first time could see things around in the cave. But she was sad because she knew that she would have to go back to the condition that she was in before in darkness. The sun went down to the cave and saw no difference. Everything was illuminated with its light and there was no darkness in the cave. Jesus in John 8:12 says, I am the light of the world. Remember just prior to this, Jesus was already speaking to them and was already saying that he comes from God and people were getting really upset with him. And in that midst, in the celebration of the Feast of the Tabernacles, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. This is the second of the significant I am statements that our Lord Jesus made. Several Sundays ago, we read about the first one. In John 6:25, he said, I am the bread of life. So where is all of this coming from? This goes back, as we know, to Exodus, right? Exodus chapter 3, uh, verse 13 and 14. And we know the story um, that Moses was up in the mountain and he saw this burning bush. And he was like, what in the world is this? And he goes to the burning bush and the Lord speaks to him. And the Lord told him, to go to his people, to go to Pharaoh, and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And Moses is like, whoa, you know, what, what, me? You want me to go to Pharaoh and tell him that? And you want me to go to these people and tell him? And who am I going to say is sending me to you? Who am I going to say is sending me to you? And God says, I am who I am say, I am, has sent me. So that's the context from which Jesus comes and says, I am the light of the world. So what is he saying? What is he saying? So some of you who like uh, points on this, this is a, a time to be able to write it. Point one, Jesus is claiming to be God. Jesus is claiming to be God. Jesus is claiming to be deity. Jesus knows, and the Pharisees knew, that he was going back in the context of the words, I am, and saying, I am the light of the world. So I'm kind of a practical guy, and so, you know, I always think, okay, so, so he is claiming to be God, so how does that affect me? How should that affect us? Well, many of us say that we trust him, right? But do we really trust him? It is easy to trust God when everything is going well, right? But what about when things are not going so well? 
What about when you are struggling? Maybe uh, struggling with a job that you're in that you don't really like. Maybe you have a, a boss or other people that are difficult to be able to work with. Or you have just recently lost a job. Or you are looking for a job. Is that easy also to be able to trust him? Maybe you are struggling because someone that you know recently has died. Maybe it is somebody that is really close to you. Maybe even a spouse or maybe even a child. Do you still trust him? Jesus is claiming to be the light of the world. And that light gives us our path. He is claiming to be God, and he wants you to trust him. If you follow Jesus, you won't have to walk in darkness. If you follow Jesus, you won't have to walk in darkness. Point number two. Jesus is also judge. When light comes, it exposes the deeds of darkness. Let's read uh, John chapter 3, verse 19 through 21. John chapter 3, verse 19 through 21. And it says, This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, so that it may be seen plainly that when they have done, what they have done has been done in the sight of God. When light comes, it exposes the deeds of darkness, and Jesus exposes the deeds of darkness. So that's point two. Jesus is judge. Point number three, with his claim that I am the light of the world, Jesus is claiming to be the savior of the world. Not just that he is God, not just that he is judge, but he is the savior of the world. If we read in Psalm uh, 27, verse 1, it says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Connecting light with salvation. Jesus is my light. Jesus is my salvation. And this theme has been uh, seen throughout the Old Testament. If we turn to a few verses in Isaiah, it's all, it's all over Isaiah. This theme of the light being the savior of the world. Isaiah 9. So that's what we read this morning, isn't it? I love how the Holy Spirit works and connects things. Um, A lot of the things that we talked about in the morning, again, we're going to be talking about here. Isaiah 9, 2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. They've seen a great light. This was the Messiah. And those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And then a few verses later, which is the exact verses that Pavan opened up with this morning, verse 6, he talks about who that light is. For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given, 
and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So Jesus is the one, obviously, that they're talking about. Jesus is the Savior of the world. In a little bit later in Isaiah, in Isaiah 42, verse 6, Isaiah says, I will make you a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles. So a lot of the times in the Old Testament, they're talking about the Jews. But here, he's not just talking about the Jews. He's talking about the Gentiles. He's talking about us. So he was the light for all people, both the Israelites and the whole world. Jesus is claiming to be the savior of the whole world. That includes you. That includes me. Also, if we turn to John chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, and then I'm going to read verse 9 as well. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The darkness cannot overcome the light. The light shines in the darkness. In verse 9, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. And that was our Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ. He was coming into the world, and he is our true light. So knowing that Jesus is our Savior, how should that affect us? How should that speak to us? Well, this really speaks to those of you, if there are any one of you, that are not saved, right? If you are not saved or you're not born again, you have not asked Jesus into your heart to be your Lord and to be your King, then this applies to you. Then I'm speaking to you right now. Jesus says that he is the light of the world and the Savior of the world, and he's the only way to get to heaven. So if you're walking in darkness, he's calling you into the light. Follow him. Accept him as the Lord of your life into your heart, and you will never regret it. Do any of you have a nightlight? Yeah. I have a nightlight in my room. Unfortunately, sometimes when I get into bed, I realize the nightlight is not there anymore. It's been knocked off the socket or is somewhere around or people have put it in different places. And uh, when the nightlight is there, it's really helpful. Some of us, as we're getting older in the middle of the night, end up going to the bathroom, right? And we go to the bathroom, and it's nice to have a nightlight that kind of guides our path. But when the nightlight is not there, we're kind of stumbling around. You know, you're, you're knocking on bags that you haven't put away or, or, or whatever it is, right? And then you get to a point where you might see a little bit of light. And that light helps to guide you to where you want to go. That's like following Jesus, he provides you the path. He provides you the light to be able to walk in. Jesus claims to be God. Jesus claims to be your Savior. You can trust him. Whatever your path is, whatever your difficulty is that you are going through, he wants to lead you in the light to your destination. If you follow Jesus, you won't have to walk in darkness. So he means a lot when he says, comes out and he says, I am the light of the world. Jesus is claiming to be God. 
He's claiming to be judge and exposing the deeds of the evil ones. And he's claiming to be your savior, to bring light, to offer mercy, and to offer grace. Remember back in um, Exodus chapter 13 when the Israelites were wandering in the wilderness and had the pillar of cloud by day and pillar of fire by night to give them light? That was God's presence with them. That was God's light with them. In the same way, Jesus wants to guide you. Jesus wants to guide your journey here. Jesus wants to be your light. And having the light of Jesus with you gives you three benefits that I can see. One, it gives you his presence. It gives you his presence. Two, it gives you his protection. And which one of us wouldn't want that, right? And three, he gives you his guidance. So let's continue with verse 12, the second part of it in in John 8, verse 12, the second part of it. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. So what does that mean? What does that mean to follow? Usually, you're going one way, and if in, in the analogy, and you're walking in darkness, and then you have to turn around. In whatever way you're going, turning around from the things of the world is one of the things that involves to follow Jesus. And the second thing is, this is a continuing phrase, following, continuing to follow Jesus. It involves a lifetime of pursuing Jesus Christ. It's not just for a day. It's not just for a week. It's not just for a month. It is a lifetime of pursuing Jesus Christ. And this is not easy. This is not easy. But this does call for commitment, for submission, for that word that children don't like, obedience, right? And it calls for persevering. Are you ready for this? Some of you have come here for a, maybe a, a nice message, maybe just talking about how Jesus loves you, and he certainly does. Maybe some came to hear that God is in charge and in control and sovereign, and he certainly is. Maybe some of you came to hear about God's mercy and his grace, And God is certainly merciful and certainly gracious. However, if you want to pursue him, if you want to get closer to him, it takes more. It takes obedience to him. It takes submitting to him. It takes persevering with him. But then he promises you, he promises to be your light. He promises to guide you. In Matthew Henry's commentary, he puts it like this, that knowledge and enjoyment of God, which will be to them the light of spiritual life in this world and of everlasting life in the other world. Follow Christ and you will undoubtedly be happy in both worlds. And isn't that what we want? Are you worried about the future? Well, with this promise... Jesus is the light. He promises to guide you along the way. Okay, so, so far we've really been speaking about Jesus as the light. 
and he is the light. But do we have, as Christians, do we have a responsibility? Let's read where Jesus talks in uh, Matthew, Matthew chapter 5, very familiar passage, Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 through 16. You are the light of the world. Jesus is speaking to us. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its sand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So Jesus says that, yes, he is the light, but we also have that light, and we are also told to shine that light. And we have many amongst us who are doing that as, as full-time work, shining the light of Jesus. But we all have that responsibility to be able to shine the light of Jesus to those around. And it is not easy, but Jesus asks us to do it. Mary Franco was a middle-aged woman in South Florida, and in uh, 1995, she unfortunately got in a pretty bad car accident, and her injuries left her legally blind. She was not able to see for 21 years, and in 2016, she fell in her home, and she injured her spine, and she had to undergo spine surgery. When she woke up, she was in a little bit of pain, but she realized that she could see the nurse. And soon, she completely recovered and was able to see her grandchildren. If you follow Jesus, you won't have to walk in darkness. I'm now going to go through briefly, because I really wanted to concentrate on on verse 12, but briefly the other verses in continuation So we're going to go through 13 through 15, John chapter 8, verse 13 through 15. I'm going to read that again. John chapter 8, verse 13 through 15. The Pharisees challenged him. Here you are, appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid. For I know where I came from and where I'm going. But you have no idea where I come from or where I'm going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. The Pharisees, right? I mean, they did this throughout the whole time. Their whole goal was to be able to catch Jesus. And they tried and they tried and they tried, but they could not catch Jesus. They wanted to catch Jesus with a technicality. And what did Jesus say? Jesus stated that the testimony by himself was valid. He, after all, was God. And his actions proved it. It wasn't just that he stated it, but his actions proved it. He fed over 5,000 men. He healed the sick. He walked on water. He raised people from the dead. His actions proved it. If we read in, in John chapter 5, verse 31 through 35, it says, Jesus says, If I testify about myself... My testimony is not true. He's talking about what the law said. There is another who testifies in my favor, and I know that his testimony about me is true. He's talking about John the Baptist. 
You have sent to John, and he has testified to the truth. Remember, John testified to the truth about Jesus. He said, Behold, the Lamb of God. So Jesus had other people testifying to who he was. Continuing in John 8, verse 16 through 20. But if I do judge, my decisions are true, because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. He's talking about the old law. I am one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. Then they asked him, where is your father? You do not know me or my father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my father also. So he's referring to, in Deuteronomy chapter 17 and 19, where they talk about having two witnesses that are needed to establish any kind of crime or statement. And the interesting thing, I was, I was talking to our brother Roy yesterday and, and asking him about the legal system and, and law and all here, and here also in the U.S. Constitution, in regards to treason, two witnesses are needed. So here Jesus explains to uh, the Pharisees and the people that it is not just him, but God the Father also testifying for Jesus. God the Father also testifying for Jesus. Going back to talking about Jesus being the light of the world, I wanted to to mention this event that happened in, some of you might know it, in August of 2003 in New York City near LaGuardia Airport. There was a grid problem in Canada. And due to that grid problem in Canada, I just think lots of things happen in Canada, but anyway, parts of the East Coast and New York went dark. This was the blackout of 2003, some of you might, might remember. In the surrounding area of LaGuardia Airport, there was only one hotel that was completely lit up. Imagine that, one hotel. There was light there. There was food there. There was music there. But all around it was darkness. When the manager was asked why it had light in the midst of all the darkness, he answered like this. When we built this hotel... We built it with a gas generator. Therefore, we aren't dependent on what's going on out there to determine what's going on in here. We've got something in here because it's not dependent on what's going on out there that gives us in here what out there does not possess. They had something within that gave them the ability to transcend the darkness. Do you? Do you have that something that will transcend the darkness? If not, maybe what you need is the light of Jesus. So in conclusion, a few questions that I want you to to take with you when you leave here. We live in a pretty dark place with a lot of challenges and difficulties and darkness all around us, I have three questions for you. Do you have that ability to transcend darkness? Do you have the light of Jesus? If not, 
please, after this message, please feel free to speak to me or one of the elders after this. Don't wait. Don't delay. Do it today. Two, with Jesus being the light of the world, how does that change you? Did you hear? With Jesus being the light of the world, how does that change you? And three, what are you doing as a light to show others about Jesus? What are you doing as a light to show others about Jesus? Remember, Jesus is the light of the world. And if you follow Jesus, you won't have to walk in darkness. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you indeed are the light of the world. You shine brightly. You remove darkness. You want to show us the light You want us to follow your light. And Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord, that you alone are the true light. You alone are the true God. And we pray, Lord, this week, as we take what we have read and we have heard, that we may put this into our lives, that we may walk as beacons of light in this dark world. We lift you up, Lord Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.